Rebel Yell is brought to you by Tops and the Star Wars Card Trader app. Download the Trader app right now on your iOS or Android device of your choice in the App Store or Google Play. It's literally the Star Wars galaxy in the palm of your hand. Tops, rediscover Tops, rediscover the joy of collecting. Disney Vault Talk presents Rebel Yell. Star Wars Rebels discussion and commentary. With your hosts, Teresa Delgado and Steve Lawson and Eris Chernovice. And a few surprises along the way. And now, Disney Vault Talks. Rebel Yell. Take cover! Well, things have gotten bad on Lethal. That's your uh, update, your news update now. Things bad on Lethal. We're going to break it all down. Two big episodes of Star Wars Rebels as we're trying to play catch up here on the show. And uh, we are talking about Occupation and Flight of the Defender. And as we get into this, it's going to be some good stuff. A lot of fun things happening, a lot of mysterious things happening. And uh, we are looking at them and looking at what's going on in the life of Ezra, Lethal, Sakatro Vizago, and everybody that's involved. And unfortunately, we say farewell to an Ithorian that we all knew and loved. But it's not just me doing this. we got to bring in the co-host of Rebel Yell. Of course, I'm talking about, first of all, you know him best as, well, you probably know him best as that guy from Delray. <coughs> but I know him best as my brother from another mother. He's a Denver Broncos diehard fan. That may be fan tanking. We don't know. It's not, hey, this isn't the show for all that. What I know is, is I love him like a brother because he is my brother from another mother. Ladies and gentlemen, Eris Schernevice. How's it going, Eris? How you doing, my friend? It's I'm good. It has been. I was saying off air, it feels like it's been about three months since we talked, and I don't like that at all. It makes me feel all icky inside. So me too. Let's not do. Let's not do this anymore. So no, we got a lot of potting to do this week. To catch you better up. believe it. We got some Thor Ragnarok to talk about. Yeah, baby. Are you up on Stranger Things? Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was done with Stranger Things like by noon the next oh, day. Oh, I wish I had been. Gosh, I love it so much. It's my favorite thing in entertainment right now. But that's not that's not what this show's about either. But here's what this show is about. It's about rebels. It's the Disney Vault Talk Rebel Yell, and we got to bring in the heart and soul of Disney Vault Talk, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, we're talking about the one, the only, the lovely, the talented, the powerful. Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa. Yay! How it's going? How it's going? I feel like cotton candy. I don't know where that's coming from. That's a new thing I'm trying to start. Yeah, I have a friend who um, had some surgery, and they sent me a video of her coming out under the anesthesia and everything, and so she's just talking about Michael Jackson being in the uh, 
in the operation room and how that confused her because she was pretty sure he was dead. And then they said, well, now, how are you feeling? She's like, I feel like cotton candy. So I said, I'm going to make that a thing. Hold on. It's the standard Teresa introduction here. Oh, I thought I had like stepped into some Nickelodeon teeny bopper show. Oh, wow. No, just cars. Cars. Just cars. No. That's old Cheryl Crow. You know her. People at the car wash. Cheryl Crow. People at the car wash trying to wash their cars. But me and Billy just sitting on the bar stool saying, all I want to do is have some fun. Let's talk about Rebels. Yes, let's do that. Let's (laughs) say, hey. By the way, right out of the gate, everyone notices the difference in this episode and last episode. Erish is here to keep us on track. <laughs> yeah. No more norm no more Lorsantaka. Lorsantaka. The Broncos are playing. Let's get this let's get this going. All right, let's get this going. <laughs> he, he was about to say let's get this over with. Let's get this over with. Come on, guys. I'm tired of talking about Star Wars. All right, well, let's, let, yeah, let's jump right into it, y'all. Um, occupation and Flight of the Defender. Now, this is uh, is the final episode that's airing tomorrow night at the time of this recording, is, is that going to be taking place on Lethal as well? Yes. Well, you, yeah, I mean, okay. we're spoiling it for you, but yeah. No, that's fine. I don't mind. So what we've got really is a five-part Lethal arc taking, taking shape here. And... Uh- well, for all we know, they the whole rest of the season could be on Lethal. That's true. True. And, and quite frankly, it'd be kind of fitting, um, since that's where it all began. It all started there. And and that's one of the things that I have really I really enjoyed about these two episodes is that our our characters that we met and learned to love in the Lethal system are now back. And um and and so these first two episodes, uh occupation and flight of the fin- and flight of the defender teresa we got into some stuff with these what was your overall thought on these two episodes i actually really really liked these two episodes i specifically like flight of the defender mm-hmm. but this one's also cute because there's puffer pigs mm. <laughs> what well, something we never thought we'd see again what did we call them do you remember piffles Piffles. Yeah, so the Piffles are back. <laughs> All right, that was clearly before I was involved yes, in this show. Yes, right. so. <laughs> I would never let nonsense like that go down on my watch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was kind of surprised at how much I really enjoyed Occupation just being back on Lethal, and, you know, even though the Empire has completely run roughshod over the planet, and so much has changed. But um, both of these episodes I really liked. Erish, what were your overall thoughts about these two bad boys? Uh, I was okay with Occupation. I really enjoyed Flight of the Defender. Oh, sure. It ratched it up a notch or two, for sure. Um, yeah, I kind of felt... I kind of felt like Occupation, like... I got, I got to say, like, the scenes in Old Joe's were just really flat for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Um... I, I'm wondering why, like the the star ace Tie Fighter pilot is running a bar. Um, the couple Imperials that are in there are just walking through the bar, kind of like you know the 
characters in a video game walk past you right. as you're playing yeah. it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like they're just kind of there and not noticing anything around them. It was just odd. Why is that dude running the bar? What was his name? Baron something or another? Baron Baron Valen Ruder. Valen Ruder. Yeah. And when did, and when was the last time we saw this guy? Was it season two? Maybe. Um, honestly, I don't. I don't remember. Was he one of the ones that was in that Tie Fighter episode when they got Wedge? I don't think so. Baron Valen. No, because Rudor. it was it was. It was Ezra that he recognized. Mm-hmm. So I think it's somebody maybe from one of the episodes where Ezra has He's like the guy. Academy. He's the guy that Ezra stole his helmet. Oh, right? I, I Hold on a second. I'm going to the StarWars.com databank. Um, well, that doesn't say anything except that he, he led a hunt for Ezra Bridge and his friends through the city's underground. Nope, that was... This is just about that one episode. Gee whiz. That's, we need Wikipedia for this. <laughs> so here we go. Valen Rudor. Uh, operating number LS-607. Uh, TIE fighter pilot from Coriolag in service of the Galactic Empire on Lothal five years prior to the Battle of Yavin. He and several stormtroopers were assaulted by Gerizeb Aurelius and le- and when the latter became lost in the streets of Lothal's capital city. Rudor then attempted to call for reinforcements. His request was met with indifference by his commanding officer. Sometimes later, in his TIE slash in space superiority starfighter, uh, was defeated by the ghost and found in the fields by local con artist Ezra Bridger, who pretended to try to help him in order to rob him and sell pieces of the ship to the black market. That's yes. So that he that's who that was. Okay. What a throat what a callback. That's wild. Did I lose you guys? No. Okay. Nope. It's just a... who, I can't remember who did his voice. It was uh, Johnny Rees. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was very interesting to me, that specific character coming back, because I was just thinking to myself, um, I know I know this. I know I know this. <laughs> I know I know I should care. I wonder, but that, yeah, why? It, I knew, I was like, well, they must have met him in that TIE Fighter episode that time, and that's all. And then just now it hit me, no, that's the guy that they, that Ezra. Do you think that he was decommissioned after that situation, and now he's just kind of running the place, or? Not that it matters, but but, but it's they're weird. in the middle of a war with the rebellion. Like, why would you? I I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just I. I don't know. I felt like it was just uh, a convenient way to call back a character from, like, the first season. Right. Well, maybe. Sure. Maybe he retired and was like, I'm going to give these guys a place to hang. Sometimes you've got to go where everybody knows your name, Erish. Yeah. So I did think I, I, it I, was I, cool that, that Ezra's friend from the previous episodes was there. That I did think was awesome. See, that did nothing for me also. Because, honestly, I didn't remember either of these characters. I think the reason I remember these a little bit more, I think there was some Disney-released book that centered on Ezra. It might have been Ezra's journal where there might be some extra information about these guys. Mm. 
And so for so it stuck a little bit more. I could be wrong, but I feel like I know a little bit more. Or it could be the servants of the I have servants of the empire, but maybe that's what they're called. They're I, the books that are written by Jason Fry that are junior novels. Yeah. It could be something because of okay. that, you know, that these kind of stuck with me. Well, that was the one dude. I, I feel like that's the dude that they ran into in the canteen or in the bar there that got them out of trouble or tried to get them out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I feel like that's something that comes from some of those and things. He, he's working with Ryder now as mm-hmm. part of Ryder's little local rebel crew. Right. There. Writer is voiced by the great uh, Clancy Brown once again. By the way, um, so yeah, I, I yeah, I, I it didn't dawn on me to be confused by that because he seems to still be in pretty good shape, I guess. Um, but uh, but he's the guy, yeah, he's the guy that ghost shot him down, and he was getting all over Ezra about to get Ezra's like, "Are you okay? Are you alive?" And he's like, "Step away, this is Imperial property." And then Ezra ends up shooting him with his little slingshot. After he stole all those pieces, while he was acting like he was trying to help him out, and um, and then during the Empire Day ceremony, remember that he flew the prototype Tie Fighter uh, that looked like kind of like the Inquisitor's Tie Fighter. But before he could do that, the Ghost Crew blew up that Tie Fighter, and uh, and now he's running. <laughs> now he's running a bar. Now he's just an old retired pilot. Running a bar because sometimes you got to go where everyone knows your name. Um, go ahead. No, I was laughing. I wasn't saying. Anything. Okay. Um, the uh, the the in the occupation, like one of the things we do see is just how much, how little concern the empire has for the places that they overtake. I mean, they're just burning the whole place to a cinder. Um, Eris, is this for mining purposes, or what's going on there? Or is it just because they're mean? No, I think that it, this this kind of harkens at something that is is being hinted at in a lot in a number of Star Wars things these days. Um, certainly, Catalyst, the James Lucino novel, right? It was um, a big deal. The Empire going to these worlds and basically just strip mining or just you know, ravaging the world for everything they can. And, and remember, you know, our characters, our rebels characters don't know this. We know this. Right. The Empire is building the Death Star. Mm-hmm. They are in need of massive amounts of materials. Mm-hmm. And so this is part of the process of building the Death Star is, is just, you know, finding these worlds that have the resources that they need and just taking everything and leaving just a shell of the planet behind. Um, and certainly it looks like that's what's going on on Lethal, that uh, that they've started strip mining this planet and taking whatever they can from it. Mm-hmm. So, um, Teresa, your boy Hondo got a shout-out in this particular episode because they asked about how they get in touch with Socatro Vizago. And, mm-hmm. and Ayers is like, Hondo told me he's okay. 
Well, I was actually really excited to be to see Vizago back oh, because yeah? he was only there in season one. Right. I think it was only season one or whatever. And I had really liked the design of that character, so I thought it was cool to see him back. And he was very much still the same character, which I also liked. It was very cool. And he, he kept calling them his friends. Well, that's the thing is he seemed to me, because he always seemed to have more of an edge on him, as I remember back in the first couple of seasons. And here he seemed to be a little Hondo light to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I, you know, there's no telling what he's been through to get to that point. Um, of course, he's getting... Well, his... he, he's clearly in need of money. Right. Very much so? Uh, yeah, I think so. Just, you know, they, they hint at it in the episode. His, you know, he's excited about the puffer pigs, or sorry, the piffles. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you know, how much Lando was able to get for them and how much he thinks he'll be able to get for them. He seems like a character that didn't really have a lot of choices when Ezra came to him about, you know, taking the, the money for this job. You know, so to me, it was implied that he was kind of down on his luck and, you know, he was counting on this to uh, to get him out of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I, I like that. I also really like how Zeb keeps talking about how he's banished from being around them and all this stuff because something about his face. And then when he finally has to be around the piffles, he's like, they just freak out. <laughs> it's so funny. To me. Well, and they end up using that to their advantage to get off the ship. And I get, and they're just like, well, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, uh, I almost said Hondo, but I guess Vizago will be okay. Yeah, he gets out of stuff like this all the time. <laughs> like we'll just leave him. Um, guys, did it impact you? Maybe I'm. Maybe this is just me. I really liked in the first season. I liked old Joe. Um, I thought it was cool that I, the Ithorian, he had the little thing that translated for him and everything, and he just was always kind of the, you know, the know-it-all bartender. I liked his little bar that had, like, the front of the Republic gunship on the front, you know. And, um, man, when it, when when old Baron Dumbutt just was like, oh, and then we had him executed. I was like, no, you can't do that to that old fella. Am I the only one? That... No, I'm right there with you. I remember really liking him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We've got a place here in town that reminds me of Old Joe's Bar because the the restaurant itself, the guy took. Uh, I, obviously, I don't think it's a real plane, but it's it really looks like he took a plane and cut it up into parts and and built a a restaurant out of it. So, like you, the plane nose is actually sticking out over the doorway, like it's the it's the it's the overhang uh, that you walk under to get to the door, and the wings kind of come up and form like a little, um, you know, just a little raised fence type thing um, as, as you're walking in, and and so you walk in, and it's a very hangry feel and everything, and that always makes me not hangry, but hanger-ish, I should say, feel, and uh, and that kind of reminded me of old Joe's with that gunship, you know, nose sticking out over the door and everything, and I just I was kind of sad to hear about him go. Um, really, there are two things. The other thing in this episode that kind of stood out to me, other than one other big thing, was them going back down the sewers. Remember the episode when they, um, gosh, was it Callus that was chasing them through the sewers? 
Yeah, I believe so. Wow. And didn't they have the governor of Lethal with them? Yes, yes. It was, uh, they got tricked by the uh, senator that was kind of the double agent, played by Data, played right. by Brent Spiner. And, mm-hmm. um, and they were chasing, and that, and there was a, there was actually a moment that felt just like that when they were kind of trapped and pinned up between them as, you know, before they meet Ryder, um, before he lets them out. And uh, it, just the, the makeup of that whole little set. Ares, you mentioned the kind of feeling like a video game going back and forth. They, they come out of the one tunnel into the big area, and behind them there's a tunnel that's kind of raised up over where they're at. And I'm like, now if this were Dark Forces or something, you'd have to jump up in there to find a secret yeah. like health yeah. bar or something. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're back down in the sewers. It was cool to see probots. I call them probots, Imperial probe droids, I guess. <laughs> we always we always called them I'm probots. Like probiotics? Back. No, we always called them. Did you call them probots back in the day, Irish? No. Okay, imper- here's imperial probe droids. Okay, did anyone else call them probots? I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> I mean, that was common. Uh, that was common Star Wars speak back in the day. Where's hey, you say? I, I, I'm not saying that it's wrong. I, it's very possible that it is. I just I didn't. Yeah, Did, I, I don't recall calling them that. Well, what do you call the four-legged imperial walkers? Adats. Okay. Good. Adats. Okay. Good. Great. Okay. Roth and Wyoming called them probots. Good. Fantastic. Lobot needs a probot. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, the guy that meets them, I just did some research while we were talking. The guy that meets them is Jay is Jai Kell. Yes. Yes, Kell. He was one of the uh the recruits that was training when Ezra was infiltrating in the little place, the 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 academy, the Imperial Academy. And he was kind of force sensitive apparently. But nothing was ever made of it after that. So that's pretty cool, I guess. Um All right, the other big thing in this is is uh Teresa Mm-hmm. The alley scene with Hera and Kanan. By it the way, it finally good... happened. I lost it. I was like, yes. Or no, wait. No, did they... I just spoil something? Yeah. Oh no. No, I knew. I've seen the picture. I know they they like oh, to okay. go. Okay, okay. I'm too early. I know the. Yeah. Li- I know you're the. Two, li- you're, you're two episodes early here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is the one where this is the one where uh, and she's like, Zebralius interrupts them. Where Zeb? Yeah. Where Zeb is C3PO for their moment. <laughs> Sir, yeah, so I've isolated the the negative power coupling. Thank you okay, very so, much. So where I, I, uh, wish, I wish I could see you. You've always been able to see me. Yes. So that. I mean, was that cheesy romantic Star Wars dialogue or it what? Was, oh, it was, was super amazing. It was so good. Uh, and it's just like, really? And then she takes off his visor. <sighs> and looks at his freaky eyes. Because <laughs> she loves it was, him. It was a great, great moment. It was a great moment, and the and and the um, and, and just the interruption by Zeb was perfect. Was, and the other reason it was great was it was just it was genuine, it was organic. It right. was you know these are who these characters have become. Like mm-hmm. you know this is something that's been building for a long time for them and for the fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though they were all denying it early on. Yeah. Well, because they didn't they didn't know and it wasn't super clear that that's what it was. Yeah. And actually, 
Shameless plug time. Uh, we just had Vanessa Marshall on Fangirls Going Rogue, which is actually coming out tomorrow. Oh, and we talk about this, and she talks about that she really didn't know right. until she started seeing the animation, and that's the way that they were going. So once she saw it, she kind of had to, you know, adjust. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but see, Dave was even real coy about it. Filoni, he was like, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we're not going to worry about romance and stuff. And it's like, come on, man. There's space. Man. I've, never, I've never been a shipper in my life, but I was shipping those two. Heron, Kanan, Hanan. <laughs> Actually, uh, somebody in my office refers to them as Canera. Canera. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I call him Canera too. That's um, the hashtag on Twitter. Okay. Oh, well, okay. great. Well, good. So, once again, I'm way behind the times. Um, <laughs> well, it was, look, it was definitely, my, it's one of my favorite moments of the season so far. Oh, sure. Yeah, it was a great, it was so Star Wars. It was Star Wars romance, right down, mm-hmm. the, like I said, the cheesy dialogue, the, the gloriously cheesy dialogue, right down to the interruption by Zeb, right as they're about to, you know, lock the old lips. And, um, and I'm sorry, th- it would not be the first time they've locked lips. It's just the first time we've got to see it happen. Yeah, I, I, that we know of. Right. I firmly believe that they've been they've been a little couple this whole time. And they just hadn't had time to, to ride it out. Because, you know, that's what Vanessa said the first time we ever had her on anything. You know, her thing was, well, I think that they've got too much to worry about. To worry about romance. No time for rub, Dr. Jones. Huh. So... <laughs> Um, uh, one other small moment was the moment with Callus and Rex in the cockpit of the ghost that I like where Callus that that was great where he's reminiscing yeah Yeah, are we still at hot Callus level Teresa yes okay Uh, yeah Steve all the time and now hot Callus is basically any Callus Callus is now just permanently hot callous. He doesn't have to have hair in his face to be hot callous. He just is. Like, now that he's not imperial callous, he's hot callous. Okay. I got to say, one of the things I really appreciate about Rebel Callous is here's a dude who's been an imperial for probably his entire life, for, you know, at least his adult life. He's been with the Rebels for, you know, like a cup of coffee compared to his time with the Imperials. And he's walking around and acting as if he's been part of them for his whole adult life, you know, giving commands, taking, you know, expressing his opinion, blah, blah, blah. No worry about you need time to trust me that uh, maybe I'm a double agent or something like that, or I've got to get to know everybody. Oh, of course I'm going to take command of the ghosts because I've commanded star destroyers. You know, of course I'm going to tell Mon Mothma, whatever I'm thinking, you know, give her my opinion and stuff. I just love that about this character. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got, like you said, he's got the experience there when it comes to, Right, but he's got the experience like playing for the other team, mm-hmm. you know, and now he's playing for a new team and he's not worried about like, you know, blending in and getting to know. He's just, I am who I am. Right. Yeah, it is cool. And it, it is this episode where Hera tells him and Rex to like take care of the of the ghost, right? Yes. And he says, 
you know, he says something along the line along the lines of, you know, her trusting him or something, and Rex is like, "That wasn't to you." Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like, all these years of chasing this ship, now I'm finally been put in control of it. And he's like, oh, she wasn't talking to you. She was talking to me. Yeah. And then he's like, I've commanded Star Destroyers. And Rex is like, yeah, that's my point. Yeah. He says, he says, well, why wouldn't she want me to, why wouldn't she want me in command? I've commanded Star Destroyers. He's like, well, you probably just answered your own question. Yeah. And, and Callus is like, Fair enough. And like just gets up and moves over to the co-pilot seat. <laughs> like there's no fighting. There's no, there's no, you know, arguing about it. She's like, You're right. I'm, I'm out. Um, I thought that was a really cool, cool moment there. Um, but that does lead us into, because they do hook up with Ryder and the gang and, and that leads us into, oh, the other, that leads us into Flight of the Defender. The next episode, which I I agree, I thought was the superior episode, but mm-hmm. but I I do think that occupation worked really well to set up just how desperate times are on Lethal, and and exactly what our heroes are going to be up against in the ensuing episodes, um, and so and so I feel like it was a necessary episode, not necessarily filler but definitely a good way to get them into this point to have this episode um, as, you know, Mon Mothma has basically sent them just to gather intel, uh, which goes back to, Erish that whole idea of where the rebellion is at right now. They're not interested in open warfare necessarily. Um, you know, rather than let's, let's, let's see what's going on so we can attack, they're just like, gather intel so we'll know what we're up against. Right. Um, you know, I, no, we we have the benefit of knowing what's coming with Rogue One, and what finally brings them all together to to actually full on go to war. Uh, but do you think that Mon Mothma is in a place sending them just together intel? Do you think that that she is wanting to fight more? Or is she just kind of because that's the other thing that came out of occupation? And I and I shouldn't have to back, I shouldn't have back up here. I should have brought this up already. But that's the one thing that came out as well is Ezra being frustrated with how much they haven't done for Lothal. And he even says as they get there that he's not leaving. Now, again, I know you guys are a little bit further ahead than I am, but um, but wow, it sounds like Sabine and Mandalore all of a sudden with Ezra. Yeah, it's like this is his... Like, we had her story and her late closure with what's going on, and now it's them you know, dealing with Ezra's situation, but the difference with Ezra's situation is that everything started on Lothal, so it would make sense if everything ended there. Agreed. So now I'm kind of confused if we're in the middle and we're already at the Lothal conflict, then what's what's the end? Oh. <laughs> right? I feel like it's got to get big, and I don't think it's enough... It's going to get big and deadly. Yeah, people are going to die. People... Blood, blood, blood. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> um... So, uh, Flight of the Fender, written by Dave Filoni and Stephen Melching, which probably has a lot to do with, you know, the quality of the episode. Um, Governor Price is back, you know, Thrawn is back. I mean, we are, we're in, we're in the mess now. Um, so we've seen the Tide of Fender before already, but now the, they're getting ready to produce these things in earnest and they've got them out test flying them, everything. And Tom Skerritt is doing that old Joker, 
That's just... I have a I have a quick question okay. because you know me and ships. I mm-hmm. don't remember all the ships. Tie defenders do not exist in A New Hope and Forward, correct? No, they have not been in any okay, of so... the cinematic uh, movie in any of the movies. Okay, so then theoretically, wherever they're making the Tie Defender or whatever is the situation with this has to blow up and end because they don't continue. Theoret- that's my that's my thinking that the the our little ghost crew and the the rebels are gonna do something that's gonna that's gonna prevent the empire from mass producing the tie defender right theoret there that's a great way to say it theoretically that could be the case also it's interesting you know by the time you get to force awakens and um and the last jedi now we've seen in those previews for the last jedi we've seen kylo ren's uh tie fighter thingy um but, you know, in Jedi, there were tons of those TIE Interceptors. Um, and, and by the time you get to The Force Awakens, we're back to more of that classic, you know, hexagonal, you know, winged with a ball in the middle TIE Fighters. So I wonder if maybe the production is a little bit more difficult for those type ships or if they just didn't have the pilots, you know, by the time you get to seven, you know, that can handle because the whole idea of an interceptor is supposed to be faster. Erish, I, I think you're the right person to ask this question. And, and I'm Teresa, you got us off on a ship conversation. So this is your fault. Um, the tie interceptor, we didn't see remember back in the day until return of the Jedi. So return of the Jedi, it, but the TIE Interceptor has been established appearing earlier in the canon. We've already seen the TIE Interceptor on Rebels. Have we? Yeah. When? I'm almost positive we've seen it. Well, I don't, I don't doubt you. I'm, I'm just asking when because that's... And, and if I'm wrong, somebody please correct me in the yeah. chat. But I'm pretty sure that we've seen it. Yeah. Um, Actually, didn't we? We saw it in this episode. Weren't those tie interceptors? Those, that's that what were... I'm saying. Is those were tie interceptors, and that's what I'm wondering is, is I'm having to, and I don't know if you're having this problem. And this is not me saying, well, they shouldn't do this. This is me saying, this is where my brain has has had to adjust on a lot of this stuff. Is A wings, B wings, tie interceptors. These are things that I felt like, well, these must not have existed until just before this movie, such as. Return of the Jedi, when we were introduced to those ships. Um, and so I'm having to readjust my thinking of, oh, so they did have TIE Interceptors. And yeah, look, it's just possible that they didn't have TIE Interceptors on the Death Star right. in A New Hope. Because, you know, really the only time we saw a TIE Fighter in that movie was when it was associated with the Death Star. Right. So they may not have had an Interceptor wing on it. I mean, we have... You know, we have uh, in our own Air Force, you know, all different types of aircraft that they're not all necessarily stationed at every single base we have around the world. That's a great point. That's a great point. I, I, well, and as you were talking, you know, if you think about the first Death Star, they were so confident that nothing could really penetrate the Death Star. The TIE Fighters were basically there as scout ships and, you know, basically almost shuttles for for lack of a better word so that they never thought they would need those so when you get to return the jedi they're, they're, the emperor's like oh we're having tie interceptors right you know if they you know, we see we see the tie we 
Do we? No, we don't. Sorry, I, because I'm two episodes ahead of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see tie bombers. Oh, okay. In an upcoming, in an upcoming episode, but well, we've seen movies, those. We've seen those in Rebels before as well. Right, but yeah. in the movies, we'd only seen them in, in Empire, Empire Strikes Back. You're right. You're right. Good point. Great point. Um. So okay, off the ship talk now, except for the the whole idea of the tie defender. So they go, and, and, and the whole point is to go, as you said, recon. And in classic Rebels fashion, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Sabine's like, I've got a better idea. <laughs> I'm going to go get the flight recorder. I'm going to go get the little black box, which wasn't so little after all. Um, it, that seemed... I, I, Look, she had the right idea. Sure. Because, you know, the, the opportunity was there to do it. You know, they might not ever get this opportunity again, so let's take advantage of this. But that seemed like more of a uh, an Ezra move than a Sabine move, didn't it, Teresa? I mean... Mm, maybe-ish, kind of no. Sabine does the, that kind of stuff, too. But I do have to back up, because while they're getting intel, mm-hmm. there's little Lothcats. That's right, Ezra's playing with the Lothcats, which and come into play. And they're all over and they're laying on them and they're like following them and there's one on top of Zev and he's licking his head like cats do. I just thought it was so cute and so perfect and the cats just look so happy. And then when Sabine and Ezra take off to go get this thing, they like follow them. And I'm like, oh God, these cats are going to get them in trouble. But no, but no, they don't. They provide the distraction. And it's one of the best things ever because while we're watching them, I rewatched the scene multiple times to watch cat behavior. When they're <laughs> around our Rebels crew, they're like, you know, they walk kind of low to the ground and they kind of leap and things like that. But when they walk out for this diversion, they're very upright and straight, like to their full height with their little fluffy tails in the air and they have this little saunter, you know, like, look at me, I'm so cute. <laughs> And then the the stormtrooper that says the line of "I want to see if they can fly" or whatever—that's mm-hmm. Dave Filoni. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see if they can fly. Um, Arish, the cats go and and provide the distraction, of course, and of course they're all snuggled up to Ezra. Is this as much a callback to one of the, one of the first things we learned about Ezra back in season one and two? Is he had this connection, this ability to connect with? animals and yes. you know and that's kind of been one of space his things. whales yes all oh, with the space oh sure i forgot about the space whales um you know is this just him almost passively now he's so he's become so much stronger not stronger in the well yeah stronger in the force and able to control it better that it's just uh it's almost just second nature that he exudes this kind of peaceful attitude for these creatures so that when he says we need a distraction they just kind of instinctively know what to do. Is that what's going on there? I think so, but it's it's hard to answer this question without spoiling the coming episodes. Mm. This is mm-hmm. this is the first step in this is the first step in what if if this season continues on Lethal past tomorrow night's episode. Like I think that this is part of a larger theme that we're going to see going on. Um, uh, uh, you know, there is there's something about Lethal and the Force, and we know that there's uh, an old Jedi temple there. 
Um, we see Ezra's connection to the Lothcats, and we'll talk about the Lothwolf in, in, in a minute. Um, but I think that this is part of a, a bigger picture that has to do with the Force mm -hmm. and has to do with Lethal um, and Ezra and also Kanan. Um, so I do think that their their comfort around him is because of this connection that he has. It, it, not necessarily uh, via the Force to animals, um, but I think that it's... It's this notion that they're there to to defend Lethal. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and I, All right. Yeah. I think that kind of Lethal is is starting to feed on that. Yeah. Well, Lethal is a very force sensitive planet, which I find very interesting because we never heard of it until now, and I'm really excited to see how the planet reacts to what's going on and to the strength of the force that clearly Kanan and Ezra have. Well, I mean, we, I guess from the moment we realized there was a Jedi temple there back in, was that season one? I guess it had to be. Um, when they go and, and Kanan makes it, I mean, and Ezra gets the, the crystal and talks to Yoda and all that good stuff. Um, there, you know, there was, you know, you recognize that there was something significant about this planet. I, back then, was theorizing that it was Kyber crystals and that the Empire was going to be doing on Lethal what they were doing in Rogue One and prior to Rogue One on Jeddah and what we've heard about them doing now in this season of Rebels on Jeddah. And that is, you know, mining for kyber crystals. Um, and uh, to the point that I was like, well, this, our rogue, this, this crew, the ghost crew, if you recall, my theory was the ghost crew was going to be the ones who actually, we'd get to see them go steal the plans to the Death Star. Oh, yeah. Um, now, Rogue One blew that theory out of the water, which is fine because I love Rogue One. Um, but I, I do think there is, you're, I think you're right. I think there's something there and Eric, that's a great point. And again, feel free to spoil anything you need to spoil. You know, I don't care. It's fine. I'm, I'll watch it anyway. Um, well, it's not just that it's, it, it's a discussion that next week's episodes are going to spur even further okay. conversation. Well, because so it, I, I don't want to kind of spoil that conversation sure. now without, getting into next week's episodes will just get redundant. Right. Well, and also, I mean, what you said is something I was thinking when the Lothwolf or the Lothwolf, I don't know, when, when it appears is, and Ezra begins to say, I haven't seen one of these in a while. I'm like, well, maybe the, maybe this is the whole idea of the force pushing back, you know, and the planet pushing back against what's being done to it because it, the planet is being destroyed. And, and we know that the force is, and I'm quoting Yoda here, life creates it and makes it grow. And so when you begin to stamp out life, um, you know, the force is going to push back. And not that it's canon, you know, but in Plagueis, which is personal canon for me because I love that book so much, um, when, when Plagueis was, you know, pushing the midichlorians and everything, you kind of got the idea that the force pushed back and, and created the virgins in the force that would become Anakin, you know, the chosen one. And and so you kind of see the force sometimes acting like this, and 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 maybe acting upon the the these things. Um, so I thought it was great as Sabine's in there, guys, and she's she, <laughs> she's trying to get that uh, the little black box out, and um, she realizes that there's a Navi computer on board, 
which means it has a hyperdrive. Um, and she's she's working to get that thing, and then all of a sudden here comes one of those old weird looking shuttles, not the shuttle, not the Imperial shuttle we know and love. And as the ramp opens, man, oh, it was done to perfection. Mm-hmm. That you know, here's the ramp coming down, and there's the reveal of Thrawn and uh, the Governor Price, and it's just like, oh crap, just got real. And and Ezra's like something terrible, and, and and Sabine says, "What is it?" And Ezra says, "Something terrible." And all I could hear, all I could hear, is that ramp dropped was. I gotta say, it the, the, that song played for me in the scene where Thrawn pulled out his pistol and started firing. Back yes, like thunder. like the freaking Joker against the Batwing and Tim Burton's yeah. Batman. Oh my gosh! I was like, what is he doing? And that's I, what it was playing for me. I sincerely thought that Thrawn doing that had some knowledge of a weak point that he could hit on that thing. And, and and just bring it down. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's about to really outsmart these guys. What was he doing, Teresa? Just standing there shooting at the thing, knowing he couldn't bring it down with his little handgun? Well, you know what's funny is that I just said something very similar when I was watching Attack of the Clones as Count Dooku leaves. Padme just stands there with the clones shooting her blaster at the ship. I'm like, literally not going to do anything. <laughs> hey, girl, that ain't going to work. Mm-mm. But... Oh. I guess. So maybe people are confused. They think their guns are more powerful than they are. I don't know. Erish, what was he doing? Uh, acting really freaking cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, <laughs> I give you that. I give you that. Was this just his way of showing Governor Price, the death troopers, and everyone around him like that was taking cover that he just is going to stand there in the midst of it and and fight back? Not only that, but just, I mean, so cool under pressure. Gosh, he was so scary in those moments, y'all. Yeah, a, a little bit, a little, yeah. I, I think a little bit was just snap instinct, too. Mm. Like, look, Thrawn is not the kind of guy who's going to go running for cover. Right. Um. The interesting thing to me was nobody, none of them getting off of that ship went running for cover, though. They all mm. just kind of stood there. He just happened to fire away. Mm. And, man, look, I don't want to run the joke into the ground, but Stuffy, do your thing. Um, <laughs> I just I want to point something out real quick, too, mm-hmm. that you know we're talking about Ezra and the, the, the ghost crew coming back to Lothal. Governor Price is coming back to Lothal also. Mm-hmm. She's the governor of Lothal. Mm. That's right. She took that other lady's place, didn't she? Mm-hmm. The one that mm-hmm. kind of went good and got killed with the weird hat. So this is her return to the planet also. Yeah. I mean, it's possible she's been back there and we didn't see it, but in terms of what we're actually seeing, this is her coming back yeah. as well. Well, and it's cool now have you know that I've read the Thrawn novelization to also have context for her as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the other thing to point out, too, is that her family ran a mining company on mm-hmm. Lothal. Oh, okay. 
So we're and there. And part of her, part of her thing to to become governor was that you know to take control of all of those operations. Mm-hmm. Again, so you know she's she's the one who is specifically strip mining her own planet in for, service of the empire. I was going to say for the glory of the empire. Yes, in the service of the empire. Um, we find out that they're using Kanan's old hideout as a base, which is really cool. Um, you know, it, it's neat to go back to that location again. Um, and and Kanan kept seeing and hearing this. Well, by the, back to Thrawn really quickly. I mean, how classic villain of it uh, was was it for him to when Governor Price says, "I can you know blow the kill switch," and he's like, "No, let's get the <clears throat> test of this." And and not only does he see the Tide Defender in action, there's that moment, and I loved it. I cheered because he says, "If Captain Sindula." was piloting it those oh, t- yeah. the interceptors would have been killed much sooner. Yeah. Um and so he figures out who's in there just because he saw Ezra and they knew someone else was in there because that person rescued Ezra and just through old Thrawn's deductive reasoning figures out it's Sabine and um and then once they take out the tie interceptors he's like well, you may you may fire when you're ready. You know, he's like go ahead blow the kill switch and oh. No, but it's not just that. It's if they can pilot this thing and take out three tie interceptors, mm-hmm. imagine what our best pilots are going to be right. able to do with this thing. Right. Yep. Oh. And, and then he's like, you may bring it down. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. And do the old Kenner toy pop-off wing Yes, thing. sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, and they started to descend, which was smart. You know, Sabine suddenly had that real, oh, there's a kill switch. We got to get out of here. And so they're already in descent, and um, and I guess she just, I guess she rigged it she so that she knows because she was in the ship that got kill switched. Right, but what I'm saying is, I guess she rigged it so that all three wings didn't pop off because Ezra's like, I've only got one wing, and she's like, Well, at least you've got one. And, well, I uh, just think that they hadn't popped it off yet. Mm, okay. That, yeah, she's like, like flying with one wing's better than no wings. Yeah. 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 That for some reason they can't pop off all three at once. They have to do it dramatically one at a time. Which I really like. Um, and y'all, I gotta say, there's a lot that happens in this episode as you go back through and think about it. Because once they've crashed, then they're going to disconnect the hyperdrive. They're going to lug it and go hide it. And all no, through, yeah. and all throughout this time, you know, while they were at the airfield, Ezra saw the wolf. He's hearing the wolf. He's seeing the wolf. And then finally, you know. Um, the wolf, the wolf shows up, and he's like, "All the, <laughs> yeah, right in Sabine's face." Like Sabine turns around, and there he is, and he's like, "Sleep," and Sabine, of course, passes out, and uh, you clearly know, needs one of those like dog biscuits that mm-hmm. like they chew on and gives them better breath. Yeah, completely knocked her out. <laughs> I always I thought that was super cool though when he yeah. said that because I'm like did he really say sleep and she just passed out? Oh my goodness! Well, and uh, I mean that, that Loth Wolf was freaking awesome. What was it, Teresa? What? Well, this creature. What's it called? Um, a big dog. Mm. <laughs> it's a it's a Loth Wolf. A Loth Wolf. <laughs> Lothwolf. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a white Lothwolf. 
It's a white loth wolf. <laughs> loth wolf, hard to say. Hey, Just... you know who else says that? Who's that? Has says wolf like me? Who? Sarah Woloski. A lot of people do. Yeah, you're not the only <laughs> ones. Okay. Um, clarify. Do you have a roof over your head too? Mm-hmm. I have a roof. And the roof is on fire. We don't need no water. Um. Oh, it's a tin roof and it's rusted. Oh, bang, bang, bang. So, oh, Rebels, baby. So in the uh, trivia, trivia gallery at StarWars.com for Flight of the Defender. And Flight of the what now? Flight of the Defender. Oh, because I thought you said Flight of the Fender. Mm-mm, no, I... No, I, I did not. Um, and no one rewinded it to see. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at a picture here, and it's Kanan and Ezra and uh, Ahsoka in the Jedi Temple. And all they've got is a circle around a painting on the wall, but there's no words yeah, for it. Yeah, I think that that was just a mistake okay. on their part. I all think right. that there's an Easter egg there that we missed. I'm looking real close. Hold on. Maybe it's uh, a loth wolf. Maybe it's a loth wolf. It's a loth wolf with someone riding upon its back. Oh. Oh. So there you go. There's that. Um. So Filoni knew that we were gonna that this was gonna happen. Maybe. Well, yeah. You know, well, I've always liked wolves, and I thought I'd throw it in there, and you know, it was just something on the wall early on, and. And I said, if I could ever get back around and have a wolf in there, then, you know, I mean, we, we put monkeys on anything like Dave. We put monkeys on Eckstein's boots. So, hey, none of my impressions sound anything like anybody, Irish. Come on. It's all right. Well, back to the wolf. Yes. Back to the wolf. (laughs) Um, Um, I love the shot, by the way, just from a completely just looking at it watching it standpoint i love the shot of the wolf like dodging the searchlights from the gunships oh that was so beautiful and there were some other great shots too up from the, like the cockpit of the gunship looking you know doing some searching and flying over the landscape and everything but that when the wolf was just dodging those lights I, yes you're right Teresa. beautiful was the word i was thinking when i saw it. i'm like this just looks fantastic um so sabine has no memory when she wakes up and and Eris, do you want to? I'm sure everyone knows. It's one of those things, but you know how people like you to say stuff we already know. It's kind of like when you go watch your favorite band play and they play their hit. Um, the wolf, as he's leaving, Ezra says, and does he say doom or dune? Doom, spelled D U M E. Okay, yeah. so I thought it was Caleb. I thought it was Caleb Dune. Not Doom, but you're all right. Okay. You're getting your sci-fi franchises mixed up. And God forbid I get anything confused with Dune. <laughs> Gosh. Um, so that that's something... Uh, Kanan's actual name has not come into play in this show. Of course, no. it was in the comics and stuff. Is this the going... Comics and an, A New Dawn. Yes. A New Dawn. Right. By John Jackson Miller, published by Delray Books, now, now paperback. Now, obviously, you know, I'm two episodes behind you guys, and so I want you to go ahead and feel free to spoil it. Are we going to see 
his identity yes. come into play? Yes. Yes. Okay. And yeah, there, there's, there's more coming with the, with the wolf mm-hmm. and, uh, and Ezra and Kanan. Okay. Yeah. Some seriously uh, it, awesome it, stuff too. Yeah. Really cool stuff. Great. Kind of trippy. Yeah. Kind of, well, blow your mind. Right. Well, when the wolf smiled at first, I thought, oh, the Bendu followed him to Lothal. I was really. And this I was, is some kind of Bendu level stuff going on. Yeah. You know, again, it's them playing around with the forces so much more than the light and the dark side. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's so much more to it. And, you know, I loved everything about the Bendu, and I'm hoping we see the Bendu again. Um, but I'm just, I'm just in Star Wars in general lately i just love this notion of of there like i just said there's more than just the light and the dark well i feel and, like and really expanding upon that i think it's been so interesting and so cool and uh, give us more yeah well i feel like what what's going on if i can take it down this road is knowing what's happening with the empire and and fear rising across the galaxy and of course we know that fear is the path to the dark side and all that good stuff. But with everything that's coming into place, because we are so close to the time of Luke coming out of hiding and starting his journey, um, which it, it, we, it's almost like the Force knows that all the pieces are starting to come into play again. And so the Force, through beings like the Bindu and maybe the Wolf here, are is working to help get everything into play. Um, it's like I said about Rogue One. You know, you didn't have necessarily a Jedi, but the Force was very present in Rogue One, and 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 I feel like that's kind of what's going on here. Only we've got Jedi as well, and and you see the Force itself. I think actively at work. Um, maybe even fighting for itself in some ways. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting take on it. Thank you. I think a lot about the force sometimes. That's what I do. That's what I do. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to watch these next two episodes because obviously there's more to it than, uh, than even I can imagine at this point. And, uh, and I'm sorry that I haven't watched those two episodes yet. Um, the next two that have already aired being Kindred and what was the other one called? Uh, uh, Crawler Commandeers. Crawler Commandeers. Um, now, Eris, you said just to kind of give K- Kindred is the Kindred's the one that all the cool stuff happens. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So Crawler Common Commandeers. Crawler Commandeers is continuing our Lothal adventure, but mm-hmm. it's. It's a more. I mean, there's some, there's some great action sequences right. in it. Well, that's where we get Rook, right? Uh, no, we get Rook. No, that's in Rook and Kindred. Oh, because the picture I'm seeing for Crawler Commandeers here has Rook on the thing. Crawler Commandeers is the uh, the Seth Green episode. Okay. He plays a Trandoshan. A Transdoshan. A Transdoshan. Wow. Trandoshan. Yeah, Trandoshan. 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 Trandoshan, yeah. Um, Rook. Rook. Oh, maybe he's a Transdoshan. Mm, see, there you go. 
<laughs> um, we had to go there. <laughs> you, look, if you had not corrected me, like I wouldn't have had to go there. So. Uh, <laughs> you say that. <laughs> um. So okay, so we got we got crawler commandeers and then kindred coming up next, yeah, and then the episode that will air tomorrow night. Teresa, right. that's the mid season finale, right? That is the mid season finale, and we get one, and it will be available at twelve p.m. Pacific time, or twelve a.m. Pacific time. So I can't decide if I'm going to stay awake or not. That's like 2 a.m. your time. I know. Maybe I'll go to bed then wake up. Okay. Well, I, I, I guess I have a quick question about this being the mid-season finale. Um, I thought this was going to be an abbreviated season as it was. And we've gotten, what, eight? This will be nine this will episodes? Be the ninth episode, yeah. Of, what, 16 or 18? Do we remember? I don't know. Wonder if anyone in the chat remembers. Because I remember it was kind of a point of, of discussion early on, um, and, uh, and and yeah, I'm not sure. But the episode coming up is Rebel Assault. Okay, so that sounds like a very much a, a this is going to be kind of it for Lethal when you get into. <laughs> wasn't Rebel Assault the name of a video game, Irish? Possibly. I don't remember. Let me do my let me do my due diligence real quick. Why, Eris, you give us some final thoughts about these. I, I'm sorry. The Sunday night recording is like my brain is not where it normally is. I'm so. sorry. I'm doing some quick research. Why you give us your final thoughts about these two episodes? I well, I'll, I'll focus on uh, the Defender one. I really enjoyed that episode. There mm -hmm. was a lot of great stuff in it. We didn't we didn't talk about the. Uh, the dog fight that took place between oh, the yes. defender and the three interceptors. But I mean, it was, it was like right out of top gun, mm -hmm. you know, putting on the brakes and letting them shoot by and then going after them. And I loved when it hit like supersonic and, you know, you got the little like air blast around it. Yeah. Kind of thing. The, the, the shockwave yep. sort of, um, just some really cool stuff in that sequence. I love the look of the tie defender. This one is, a newer model than the one that we had previously seen in the series. So the coloring is a little bit different. It's got a little bit different engine on it and stuff. It was just <clears throat> super cool. Um, Thrawn being just awesome, firing back at it, mm. not a care in the world. Um, the wolf was just so cool and noble and regal and like powerful and wise. And oh, it was, it was, Kind of reminded me of like Aslan from the oh, Chronicles yeah. of Narnia yeah. books. Yeah. Um, just really, really cool. So I dug that episode a lot. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm digging this Lothal stuff. I'm excited to see where it's going to go if they do wind up staying there. Yeah. Teresa, any final thoughts about these two episodes in particular? I think animals make Star Wars more fun. And I really love that we're getting into some serious force business. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's probably one of my favorite things about Star Wars is the lore of the Force and just everything having to do with that and the history of the Jedi and the Sith. And I love that we're getting into that. And I really can't wait to talk to you about what is in the next episode. Oh. I was literally just thinking that myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to be fun as we dig into the final three episodes of this half of the season. Coming up later this week, we want to remind you, gosh. Oh, man, we didn't do it. Oh. oh. Hey, hey, guess what, Steve? I got a new insert today. I oh, got yeah? a Chewbacca Galactic Fun. Really? What does it look like now? It's like a really cute cartoon version of Chewie. Great. And he's like screaming with his fist in the air. It's adorable. What are you guys talking about? Well, Eric, I'm so glad you asked. We're talking about the Star Wars Card Trader app available now on the iOS uh. app store or your Android device, Google Play. Uh, check it out. It's Tops, man. Tops has been doing trading cards since 1950 when they first put baseball cards in with their bubble gum. Don't know if you guys know that or not. Nowadays, there's no more bubble gum. They're all out of bubble gum, in the words of Roddy Piper. But there are tons of cards. And uh, everything from their flagship baseball series um, to Star Wars. And right now... Uh, is the Journey to the Last Jedi trading card set that's still out in retail stores and hobby shops everywhere, but coming soon, uh, as the movie is released in December, uh, we'll be getting the Last Jedi trading card set Series 1 from Tops. I know a lot of you collectors are looking forward to that. I know I am. In these physical card sets, you have all of your old classic inserts, like your stickers and your small, you know, and your mini subsets and everything, but also those great chase cards, including sketch cards and autograph cards and the ultra-rare double and triple autograph cards with some of the biggest names in Star Wars uh, signing those things. So uh, keep an eye out for those, and don't forget that Star Wars card trader app that Teresa was talking about. Uh, it literally the galaxy of Star Wars in the palm of your hand. Trade with people from all over the world, thousands upon thousands of different Star Wars cards. You go every day for various rewards and credits and that sort of thing and new packages, daily daily sales. It's all there in the Star Wars Card Trader app. Check it out on your favorite Android or iOS device now. We thank yes. Tops for their support. And I'm Ice Cold Penguin, and if anybody has Galactic Fun cards that they would like to trade me, that's the set I'm chasing. Well, you know, and I'll say this. It is the Galactic trader that it's the card trader that got me back into card collecting by the way and um and so i'm actually getting ready to put a shelf here in the in the studio that i'm going to have all my card notebooks on and everything so that we can pull them out and do random card readings at the drop of a hat so looking forward looking forward to that so now i'm sorry to tops for not doing that in the middle of the show uh, we just got into the discussion of everything, and I got excited talking about the wolf and the force and tie defenders and everything else. Um, I got to tell you, season four of Star Wars Rebels hasn't really disappointed me at all so far. And um, I'm like you, Teresa, as we get more and more into the mythology of the force and what's going on there. I love it. Thrawn doing the BA thing, just staring down a tie defender, shooting it with a pointless handgun was awesome. Um, I love being back on the thaw. It is so fitting. It, it, it reminds me of the line from Vader in, in A New Hope. The circle is now complete. Uh, and, and our crew is back together. It was good to see Hera doing more than just sitting in a ship somewhere. You know, we got to see her with her little ringy-dingy uh, uh, 
gun in the first episode that when she shoots it, it sounds like you're also ringing a little bike bell, you know, bring, bring. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and of course, her and Kanan moving toward that ultimate kiss coming up in a couple episodes. So uh, that love relationship is going to be interesting to see blossom. I can't imagine that Rebels is going to be the happiest of endings um, for our heroes, but I can't imagine it's going to be a... F- I-, I do imagine and do believe it's going to be a fun ride all the way to the end of Season 4 and the end of this series. So uh, we'll be back later this week covering the final three episodes of this first half of the Season 4. Erish, Therese, it's always good to be with you guys. I really do enjoy it. It's one of my favorite things to do is podcast with you two. And... Um, and I look forward to more of it as we get ready to go. Check out uh, at Geek Out Loud, at Goliverse, at Disney Vault Talk. Erish is at Darth underscore Duff. Teresa is at Ice Cold Penguin on Twitter. And, of course, that also works for Instagram for Teresa and Disney Vault Talk. If you want to email us, you can do it at vaulttalk at gmail.com. Or uh, the best place to start having some fun discussions is over on our Facebook group, The Guardians of the Goliverse, which you can get to easily by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. And uh, if you want to support the shows, Amazon is a great way to do that. Go to Geek Out Online or geekoutpodcast.com and use those Amazon links. There's also Entertainment Earth links, Think Geek links. Hey, coming up on Geek Out Loud will be a chance to win Fandango uh, uh, Last Jedi Fandango gift cards. Uh, we'll tell you how to win coming up on Geek Out Loud. And right now you can use those Fandango links uh, you have uh, at those sites to help support the shows as well. So if you're going to see a movie this week, and you're using Fandango to buy your tickets. Do that. Uh, until next time for Erish, for Teresa, I'm Steve. May the force be with you, guys. Rebel, yell it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>